Hello guys and welcome to the ninth episode of Think Mental. Apologies for the long break, uh, just a lot has been going on. Uh, it's just me, Sophia, in the studio today. Dev is busy at the moment, but we have a really exciting collab with Psychology Society. I'm with the president of Psychology Society, Tua. Hello. And we planned this initially for around Valentine's Day. I know it's a bit um, delayed now, but this episode is going to be called Trauma Actually, <laughs> based on the famous Love Actually film. It's just the title bit. Uh, but we thought to discuss uh, childhood trauma and attachment styles and how that has an impact on later dating life, adult dating, right? Yeah, <laughs> adult relationships, basically. Yeah, because as Mental Health Society, we were thinking about society to collab with, and I thought that society, uh, that psychology would be a great start. And then when me and Tua met, we were like, what can we talk about? And, and then we ended up just talking about, for example, the TikToks that are talking about basically how attachment styles affect you. Yeah, <laughs> so interesting. I feel like TikTok has really um, kind of popularized psychology and learning about yourself. Yeah, so I feel like I've just been personally attacked so yeah. many times. <laughs> so we're trying to break that down today, obviously just from a student perspective, we're not like... Yeah, we don't really know anything. We're just talking about things. <laughs> but just an interesting conversation. Um, so, yes, trigger warnings. We'll be talking about tra- trauma, childhood trauma. Anything else you think could... Um, yeah, basically, that's a trigger yeah. warning. Yeah. And as always, we're going to begin with an icebreaker. Um, so, to a... Hmm, I had two in mind. Are there any... What's the best life advice you've given sorry i had two in mind but i think <laughs> i went with the second one wow this is yeah. a stressful one. what what is the best advice you've been given or like advice you've always stuck with mm, i don't know i feel like um this is kind of like a thing that has come to me when i've aged a little like especially being a uni student like I feel like every one of us is battling with expectations of what everyone thinks that you should be doing and everything but I think that the most important thing is to um, always think about what actually makes you happy go like kind of self-awareness of Mm. what actually is the thing that you're interested in and focus on that I don't know like (laughs) there's a very broad one it's not really specific yeah that's kind of like the way I try to live right now at least (laughs) oh I love that okay so let's get into it so we're gonna begin with well how we first came up with this topic of TikToks and social media kind of like popularizing these concepts of um trauma and how it links to later life because I feel like they're really relatable and we can see ourselves in a lot of these situations but yeah I feel like loads of them might be like too relatable sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't even realize that it's going to attack you, but then like, you're like standing there, like after it, thinking about how you, like how it, your life is and how it, everything is affected, like from your childhood is affecting how you behave I nowadays. Know, it's as crazy well. what a one minute video can do for your. Like honestly, like seven <laughs> seconds can like ruin your day. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any examples? Um, TikTok? 
I think I'm going to come back to these afterwards, but I, I'm just going to do some background right now um, and why this is like an important topic to think about as well. Um, right now, like in, because we're all in uni, but we're like on in our 20s, like dating is like a very complicated thing right now, especially in the modern world, how um, dating apps have been affecting our um, dating is also like a very interesting thing. But I think that loads of people are affected by childhood trauma. Like if the statistics like, are telling us like 20 to 48 percent of youth have reported experiences of childhood trauma depending on the type of maltreatment measured but it's not only the people who have childhood trauma but i feel like basically everyone is affected by it because basically if you're if you don't have any trauma then possibly your friends have Mm. trauma or your partner might have trauma and you don't even have to have like any severe trauma but still like the way that you've been raised really does affect you yeah and that's why I feel like, for example, talking about attachment styles and how it affects your now, like nowadays, your relationships is a very important topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a stigma around the word trauma because I always thought that trauma meant that like something terrible had happened to you. Yeah, it's not necessarily that it has to be like something like very major. It just might might be like the way you've been brought up. There might be just like. Um, some type of like emotional maltreatment or something because I feel like lots of people do um, associate trauma with like physical um, violence or something like that but yeah. it can just be it can be emotional as well and just the way that you've been talked to mm. when you were a child or something like that yeah I think as you grow up you start to realize things that have happened to you I mean like not everyone but for me personally like I've started to realize things within my childhood where I was just like, oh, that that probably wasn't right. Yeah. <laughs> and even if it's yeah. not like major things, it's like, it's created like a pattern now in the future where I react um, kind of funnily in different situations because of my past experiences. Yeah. This is a really um, personal topic, by the way, guys. And um, I'm willing to get into it. So. Yeah, well, we're we're both going to be very honest, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's so. going to be some personal things going on here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I won't get into the specifics, but yeah, as I said, like the more I grow up, the more I realise there are definitely things within my childhood that have created these patterns, and I'd like to know more. So yeah. that's why two is here to talk to us about it. <laughs> Not like I would know everything. I'm just <laughs> very interested in this, so I'll be researching loads of these things. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, what? what are the childhood attachment styles then because i've i've studied this at a level psychology but for the people that don't know could you get into yeah so basically the attachment theory was introduced first by john bowlby i don't know if you've actually went into the research that Mm -hmm. they were doing but basically they just had the um little monkeys and then they put into the cages um like mother monkeys that were either soft or like um they're like yeah, there's a lot of thing you can look, look into. Uh, so John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth uh, were basically doing this uh, research, and um, that was this is based on. And basically, it's just telling us that the way you've been brought up and the relationship your parents had affect the way you behave in your relationships. Not only your like partners and like romantic relationships, but also your friendships and what you need from those relationships as well. So um, the different attachment styles, at least, this is kind of controversial because like there have been 
introduce multiple attachment styles and some of these might be called something else in different contexts as well mm-hmm. but the most basic ones are the secure attachment anxious attachment avoidant attachment and fearful avoidant which is disorganized basically or just it's both anxious and avoidant so basically only 60 percent of people have secure attachment styles so that leaves us with loads of people who um are attached like not necessarily unhealthily mm. but that's kind of like how it's being categorized and it's it is affecting our relationships a lot as well and yeah. especially when you don't understand why you're behaving in that certain way um so basically childhood trauma has been researched to lead to insecure attachment styles um so avoidant or, or anxious or disorganized mm-hmm. and the disorganized attachment is the primary one for survivors survivors of complex developmental trauma um do you want me to explain to you also what the different um attachment styles look like like yeah, in a relationship well, in, yeah. in modern day like yeah so basically I, this feels feels like i'm calling people out like don't feel like personally attacked when i'm like <laughs> describing how you feel in a relationship <laughs> so basically people with anxious attachment um when you're in a relationship you really need loads of constant reassurement from your partner it may, like also in your friendships like basically you feel like you want to them to say to you or show to you constantly that they are actually into you and want mm. to be with you um this is kind of like i really relate to this as well um i'm pers- i personally i can say that i i'm a fearful avoidant attached person mm-hmm. so um i basically have both of these so yeah. <laughs> if you feel like you're relating to this too much you're not alone yeah <laughs> honestly when when we were discussing this topic before i was like i feel attacked I feel like loads of people are going to feel attacked Um, but yes and the other one is avoidant attachment so basically you feel like when you're depending on someone it it makes you feel unsafe so you're kind of want to dismiss your own feelings because you don't want to get hurt by the other person so when you feel like you're too attached to that other person you want to kind of push away from that how do i also feel attacked again yeah (laughs) exactly so if you have both of these which i do Mm. um it's like you want to stay close to that person and that you want like a constant reassurement from them but then if you like get one situation where they feel like they're like more distance then you suddenly want to pull away so it's kind of finding the balance between mm. trying being wanting them to talk to you all the time but then pulling yourself away immediately when they're not responding you to you the way that you want them to so you're saying that you're two types of attachment styles yeah so, so it's the disorganized attachments which is like the most um common one okay with if you have childhood trauma so that's know. a thing like for anyone like wondering you can have can you have multiple types of attachment yeah yeah so you can have anxious well yeah usually it's like you either got... have anxious or avoidant or anxious avoidant or secure basically so could you have like a more dominant attachment style and then you've got like um i feel like it's more of like i mean all of these are kind of like a spectrum like Mm. it's not like if you have anxious attachment you have to have all of these symptoms for it it's like you can have like the same thing as with childhood trauma like you don't have to have like this very intense um experience you can just have like Mm. a a smaller level of trauma like not necessarily a smaller level but like you know what i mean (laughs) yeah 
But yeah, so like this is where when we get into the interesting ones um, from TikTok that I've um, ran into. Um, so one of these ones that really I feel like called me out is um, they were saying that basically the type of relationship you're looking for in your adult life they reflect the childhood environment that you were raised in. So basically, you would feel safe in chaos if you're used to chaos in your childhood. And if you like, if you were brought up with childhood trauma and your parents were fighting all the time, you feel like that's your safe environment because mm-hmm. that's what you're used to. And then you end up feeling unsafe in a cool environment mm-hmm. when you're like with a partner who's, for example, very safe to be around. That's when you feel like, you're unsafe it's like you're wondering when the chaos is gonna happen exactly like, so it that. feels like the calm before the storm mm. so you end up seeking chaos in your relationships and that this can actually be like if you don't realize that you're doing it it might be very very maladaptive as well because you might be like actually trying to ruin your relationship actively because you want to make it more chaotic yeah so are you saying that what you had in your childhood you'd want that in your relationships like is it is it's it an, yeah it's not necessarily like it's not like you have to have like the same exact relationship that your parents had or something like that but it's more about the overall environment that you were used to in your childhood so it's like this feeling of fami- familiarity yeah kind of so basically if what feels like home mm. is what you're seeking out interesting yeah but this I feel like I felt very attacked when I saw this TikTok (laughs) yeah and this kind of leading also into different love styles and different love languages as well um, because apparently they also reflect what you were lacking in your childhood so (laughs) basically when you mentioned this in our research I was like yes that definitely sounds like me I've been thinking about it since um we spoke about it like, yeah so like this is again i was i saw a tiktok and i just got called out and i needed to talk about this because <laughs> of it because it was basically just showing like the person was basically pointing like up basically saying that this is what did you lack in your childhood and then what is your primary love language and they match like usually ah. um so the different love languages like the, there's multiple ones but um the most common uh, categorizations are words of affirmation acts of service receiving gifts quality time and physical touch so if you for example don't feel like you were supported by your parents and you don't really get like verbal support from them like them telling that you that they love you or that they're proud of you or something then you would, might be wanting those words of affirmation yeah. in your adult yeah. relationships all the time i feel that like growing up in an asian household my mom I mean, my dad was very um, receptive, I'd say. But my mom, she's a bit harder to please. And, like, I'd always do well in school. But I think that just became a norm for my mom. So then when I'd, like, show her my achievements, she'd be like, okay, what what now? What next? Yeah, and that's why right now you want people and to tell you like, that they like, yeah, want you and that they like, like you. And yeah, <laughs> that you're enough, basically. Yeah, which is... Yeah, that creates. That's that's one of the things I was talking about in the beginning, where like I, I didn't. I thought I had quite a decent, healthy upbringing, childhood. But then the more I see patterns in like my adulthood, I'm like, oh, looking mm-hmm. back, this is why. Maybe I feel like, like I've this. had a big role <laughs> calling you out. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> You've kept me up late at night thinking about my childhood. I am extremely sorry also for everyone listening to this and all of the effects that this is going to have on you Yeah, guys. but like, 
I don't know if this is more positive, but I was thinking, okay, so what do I feel um, kind of more fulfilled in in my um, dating life or adult life? And when I was thinking about my love languages, receiving gifts is like zero percent. Like I really don't yeah. think about that. And that's probably because as a child, I was the oldest, oh, the first born of my whole family, the oldest for a while. So mm. it was literally just me. So I remember being spoiled. Um, I remember my the attention being on me for like the first seven years of my life. So you never like needed that yeah, because so you I got didn't it. Need that. So I was like, I don't know if that's more positive that I don't feel like I require gifts. Is that? Uh, it's, just, it's just an observation, I guess. Yeah, it's it's not necessarily like none of these are like negative or positive. Yeah, like it's just different love styles and what what you actually need from a relationship yeah. and what you like want to have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is kind of reflecting also to like obviously to your relationships and how you behave in them. But also, this is kind of like a very concrete example is how you try to solve conflicts in your relationship. Um, so one of these, this is like my personal example because I realized this um, in one of my relationships that um, from my childhood experiences, I kind of learned to. Um, just stay silent in an argument when it doesn't feel like it's going anywhere and that's the only way that for the argument to actually end with you not actually expressing your feelings mm. and you just staying silent so this is what leads to then silent treatment when you're in an actual adult relationship mm. and the, to the other person it feels like very uh, attacking as well like it's not nice to be in the other side of silent treatment yeah. but then you don't realize that that is actually a wrong way to try and um, um, solve arguments because that's the way that you've been raised like that's the way that you learn to um, go through those situations like when you're in a conflict situation that was the only way that you were you learned to cope so you don't really know how to <laughs> try and solve adult conflicts because that's the only way that you've learned how to mm. do that. So um, that's kind of a thing that I realized later on when my partner said to me like that he doesn't really, he does not enjoy the silent treatment. Yeah. And I was like, why do I even do that? And then something clicked in my head being like, oh shit, because that's the only way that I've learned to deal yeah. with conflicts. <laughs> it's just that theme of familiarity and like, whenever well since taking up psychology when I studied it like I just link everything back to um like the idea of conditioning and like everything is learned like the way we behave is a result of what we think is right because of yeah what well, what we think up. is like um fuck what is, how did I say this um appropriate to yeah, that situation so basically if, if you've grown up with this association by doing an action and creating that association with that action then you're just mm. always gonna like automatically think that that's the right outcome or yeah that's what you should be doing yeah one of those things are like when if your uh, parents really didn't try and um solve the issues then you can get this mentality of trying to fix everything yourself, which can also be in your adult relationships as well. And that's not even just in my relationships or like love life, I guess. It's like just me with everything. I just friendships kind of and also, through. yeah, also university. Yeah, and with my work, with my yeah. workload, I always think that I've got authority over everything. And like my friend brought this up the other day, like I was doing a group project and I was like so. Um, 
I was I just felt like all the pressure was on me like I need to get this done and then my friend was like wait there's four more of you guys in the group right I was like yeah, yeah. and they're like you all get the same grade right <laughs> I was like yeah and I was like so you know trust that they're also going to do work but I'm like yeah. no but I need to do the most I can because I can't control what they do and he's like Mm-hmm. Down, yeah so um control issues is one of the the big reflections of childhood trauma mm. as well um this kind of like a thing that i've recently discussed in my relationship um, um because the other person also has some types of control issues but then like when i have that as well like when you're cooking with someone um you're in their place like he wants to um control the kitchen and he wants to like know what he's doing and do it by himself and then, because I've been brought up also with the same issue of wanting to be in control, I want to constantly help because that's the only way that I can be in control in that situation. But when the other person also wants to be in control, you end up with this conflict of you can't help the other person because he doesn't want to be helped, but mm. you can't be not helping either <laughs> because you're uncomfortable in the situation oh. because you're not used to that. <laughs> Why is love so complicated? It, honestly, all kind of relationships are because I, I realise that all of these things are also reflected in my friendships as well. Especially like with the attachment styles as well. Like I sometimes end up feeling like my closest friends wouldn't want my attention or something mm. like that. Just because you're anxiously attached, you, you don't feel like um, you, you want them to like show you constantly. And if they don't, then you feel like they don't want you to be around them. Yeah. Which is <laughs> problematic, to say the least. <laughs> oh, well, my brain is just, like, overloaded right now. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of so many, like, real-life personal examples, but... <laughs> it's, it's we're scary. kind of, like, tiptoeing the area of what is actually acceptable yeah, to bring up Yeah, but, I mean, if anyone here. relates to any of these concepts, like, I hope that gives you comfort that someone else going through the same thing as well and like not that you know going through dating struggles is like your fault in any way but it's just like know that these struggles have occurred because of things kind of out of your control from your childhood yeah the thing is though like it's not completely out of your control like um this going we're going to talk about this later on as well but like with the attachment cells like if you feel like you have an insecure attachment cell it doesn't mean like you're going to have it for the rest of your life mm. either you can have a secure relation a secure attachment style in your relationship if you're having open conversations and you heal from your traumas so basically you just have to learn to deal with it but it's not like you're it's set in stone that because you have childhood trauma you're going to have insecure attachment for the rest of your life you can move on from it but you just need a different um approach to your relationships and you need to really talk about these things as well and be very self-aware of these problems yeah i think we definitely need to start discussing um kind of ways to deal with it once you kind of have identified your attachment style or like Mm. um pondered on your own childhood experiences because we don't want you guys to think that it's all deterministic and if you had lots of childhood trauma growing up that you're gonna be like messed up yeah exactly this is the same thing as well like with um 
the correlation of childhood trauma mental health issues like it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a certain type of mental health issue just because you went through that experience but it that it means that there's just a predisposition for mm. it but like it's not like you're going to be having these issues just because you went through a certain experience everyone if like reacts to these issues in a different way and it's okay like you don't yeah. have to react in a, diff- a certain way either i think being aware of yourself and being able to be self-reflective is like a really good first start because a lot of people don't even know why they behave in a certain way or mm. why they get triggers in their relationship so hopefully this inspires you to think about your own childhood and attachment styles yeah it's all honestly like that conversation about these things is like the most important thing like this kind of came up with me like in one of my relationships when like Um, I got a very heightened reaction to like very common things Um, so one time I broke a glass uh, which is like a very normal thing to happen in your life and like that can be like it's it doesn't really mean anything Um, but for me it created like heightened like PTSD almost response and and with people with childhood trauma like that is a very common thing that you can like um, react very strongly to something um, that is a very normal thing for other people but then I needed to go through that conversation with my boyfriend at the time being like he he was like why did you react that strongly like it's okay like it's it's normal it's okay mm. that you broke the class like you don't have to be sorry about it yeah it's just a class but when you kind of being used to that strong reaction from you messing up you end up being like extremely sorry yeah. and feeling so overwhelmed by it yeah so interesting <laughs> the way it carries out like you think that small experiences in your childhood don't make a difference or impact your life as much as it does like mm-hmm. i can also relate with this kind of ptsd feeling of like things that have happened before and then not realizing its impact later on because if someone says something similar mm. <laughs> i don't know how to how to get into this without being like going into detail but you know say um i've had a childhood experience where i don't know i face rejection in mm. some way and then in my later adult life like not even just in dating but just in general i've experienced a similar type of rejection like it's like this sharp kind of pain like trigger yeah. like oh yeah and it's also all about like what you expect from other people in those situations as well like uh, for example this isn't even just a childhood thing but also like reflecting on your earlier relationships like when you have a new relationship you always build your expectations on what the other people in your mm. earlier relationships how, how yeah, they behave true so for example if they're like okay you brought our rejection so like this <laughs> you just <laughs> did some conditioning for me um mm. but um for example if the other person like um that you were earlier in a relationship with reacted very strongly to rejection or then like rejected you multiple times when like when you would do like an action then then they would respond with rejected rejection or a response that resembled rejection then every single time after that in the next relationship you do that same action you're going to expect them mm. to do that rejection response as well 
So <laughs> you're constantly thinking about the earlier relationship, even though you don't consciously think about it. It's an unconscious response. Yeah, it's like been conditioned, and you just kind of it's really hard to break that association.、Mm. I feel like there might be also a correlation with、um, how much your earlier relationships in your adult life、oh, affect you,、definitely. like、uh, with the childhood trauma. Because, like, if if you're not used to a safe relationship, it might be that your first adult relationship might be your first safe relationship of、mm. attachment, and then everything that happens in that relationship is gonna be to you where you learn how to behave in those situations,、yeah. where, because you didn't have a chance to、yeah. do that in your childhood. <laughs> oh、this is not、God. based on research, by the way. <laughs> This is just、um, a thought. <laughs> no, definitely, like, everything you were saying, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I felt that. <laughs> you might be feeling this, but like, some there might be research out there like stating this same thing, but this is just a thought that I have. <laughs> oh、yeah. my God! Again, guys, we're just students. Like, we're just we're just spilling our thoughts along with some of the stuff we've learned. From those personal experiences <laughs> as well, personal experiences and courses, but、um, yeah. yeah. But I feel like one of those、um, with all of these things in mind and with childhood trauma as well. One of the problems in dating is that every single time that you're getting to know a new person, you also have to you have to introduce yourself and. Your trauma and your experiences、mm. that you've gone through. This is the same thing if you have mental health issues. Like it makes getting to know new people so much harder、mm-hmm. because you have to、um, share those parts of you as well. So it's not even just like you getting to know a new person and their interests and how they're like and what what kind of life they're living, what they do for a job. But also you have to be like, oh, I also have childhood trauma, and yeah, this is、really、this affects、harsh. everything that、yeah. I'm doing. So. Um, just keep all of this in mind. <laughs> yeah, it's really、yeah. hard trying to like reintroduce yourself to different people. Not not just not just like the superficial stuff,、mm. but you know, getting deeper into stuff like really. Yeah, especially if you start hanging out more because it's it's affecting how you hang out with those people as well. Um, especially because, like,、um, if you have mental health issues as well,、um, I myself I have anxiety and depression, so it's like it's affecting my relationships as well. Because like I get very anxious about loads of things and start overthinking about loads of actions、mm-hmm. that aren't really things that you should be overthinking. Yeah. But you have to just be very open about these things with your partner because then you you can fix these things. You don't have to be alone with these thoughts. You don't have to be just anxious by yourself. But you can say it out loud and explain how you're thinking to your partner, and it might be that they understand completely where, where you're coming from, and that's how they can also change their actions and make you feel less anxious.、Mm-hmm. But if you don't ever speak up about these things, then there is no way of them knowing. Yeah, so I guess that leads us on to kind of more the proactive steps and solutions.、Mm. Um, so. That would probably be a very good place to start. Just open communication with whoever you're dating. That's not like unloading all your baggage like all at once. Yeah, not <laughs> <laughs> not saying like now you go to your partner and you tell all of your childhood traumas、yeah. and then、um, they should know how to behave after that. It's more about like when you have a certain feeling like. You have to be first self-aware of what is making you behave in a certain way, and then after that, you can try and unpack it, you know, like a, a constructive way as well. So it's not just like dumping everything on your partner, but also 
talking like thinking about these things yourself so um this kind of like uh, approach coming from the cognitive behavior therapy so basically it's based on like you analyzing your um, behaviors and what is causing those behaviors and tendencies mm-hmm. that you have in your normal life and when you're very self-aware of what is causing you to behave a certain way in a certain situation then it's easier to also explain that to your partner and for them to understand exactly why you're behaving that way so it's not like your fault either like because with childhood trauma it's out of your control you didn't really have a choice you went through those experiences and you have to deal with them now so when the partner also understands that you're not trying to um behave in a certain way or like be hurtful or whatever that is it might be also a positive thing that you might be doing because like with anxiousness and like being um very aware of things it's also a positive thing because you're usually empathetic and you also like notice your partner's feelings a lot more although it it, it will end up with you overthinking things but it's also a positive thing because then you are more receptive of your partner's problems as well yeah I'm trying to think um, with CBT, I remember when I studied it, I don't know if this is part of the same model, but it was like the ABC model, is it like action, belief, consequence? Mm, mm. So like, I think the principle of CBT, cognitive behaviour therapy, is like really trying to not reverse, but kind of like change your initial cognitive thoughts and beliefs. Yeah, so basically... It's, yeah, because your thoughts, unfortunately, they, they uh, work in a certain way. There's like a reaction that is predisposed, predisposed in your brain. And there's a way that you think about things, which is caused by your earlier experiences. But CBT is going kind of back to those, mm. like, first analyzing why you're thinking that way, what has lead you, led you to that process and then kind of unpacking it and trying to change that yeah. process. Yeah, so it's an interesting way because it sounds so simple, like just trying to break down your actions and your thoughts behind it. But, but it's not, it's especially not. with childhood trauma because loads of things might be repressed in, the, in your memories. Like you might not even yeah. remember what is causing you to behave in a way. That's why talking is so important because like the more I talk, the more I vent to people, <laughs> um, yes the more like, you actually realize the that the more you why, dig why things out of your unconscious and all your repressed memories and you're like oh maybe this mm-hmm. explains that mm-hmm. so talking is always great yeah it is you don't even necessarily even have to talk about it though you can also think about these things by yourself but it's kind of a process that you have to learn as well to be able to think about these things by yourself it's kind of like going like if you go through meditation like first you kind of start with trying to just focus on things, but then you can try and work on thinking about why you think in a certain way as well. Oh, for me, I do that like every day. Like, yeah, but I basically day. half of the day I'm zoning out thinking about yeah. things. Yeah, so. <laughs> like I'm such an overthinker. Like I spend my night times just thinking about different things mm-hmm. that have happened in my childhood and like why and but it's not necessarily all negative like yeah. it's a, also a good thing that yeah. you're self-aware and you're thinking about how why you're behaving in a way true but then that's why i do feel like i do need to unload sometimes so i've got like mm-hmm. you know yeah. not not just to people poor people that have to hear 
your time. But, you know, journaling as well. I know I always say this on the show, but it really helps. Just having an outlet to, like... Yeah, just, like, having some... Like, it, it's also because not everyone has those people that they can vent to. Yeah. But you can then write down your thoughts. And that can actually make make it easier for you to form your thoughts mm-hmm. as well when you're talking about them later on. Yeah. If you write them down first, then it's clearer for you as well while you're thinking that way. And then you can go and unpack it to someone. Yeah. And, I've um, actually... Uh, yeah, I ended up actually like writing down loads of things that I wanted to bring up to my partners as well. Like if there is like a very hard thing that I need to talk about, then I just write it down in my notes first, and then I try to unpack that thing mm, afterwards. That's really healthy. Um, so yeah, apart from kind of like things you can do for yourself, uh, other solutions or kind of takeaway points would be to understand that everyone's going through. Everyone has gone through different things. So, you know, be mindful of if you kind of get sensitive about certain things. Also realize that the other person, there's a word for that where like, I saw there's a word for it when you realize this realization that everyone lives a life as complex as yours. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what the word is, but yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. (laughs) Like that kind of realization that, you know, yeah, but that's kind of like, I think, part of the self-awareness as well. Because when you realize why you're thinking in a certain way, it's also like explaining to you why other people are thinking that way mm-hmm. as well. Or like a different way as well. Like when you're thinking about these things, like when you're thinking about what the other person did and why they did it, you have to understand that they've gone through a complex life as well. And yeah. they might have experiences that are causing them to behave in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And again, as we mentioned earlier, if you've related anything from this podcast, you know, like the insecure attachment styles, doesn't necessarily mean you're doomed and yeah. everything will go bad. <laughs> That's um, why we're talking about the solutions because there are solutions. Yeah. You can change how you yeah. behave in a relationship. <laughs> it starts with awareness. So hopefully something like this, or like if you choose to do your own research after this, um, you start to begin to understand yourself and your childhood better mm. and then from there will be a good point to like just heal and <laughs> just heal, heal. <laughs> just no heal. but like also going to therapy as well yeah. like I, I don't think the therapy should be a thing that just people who um feel like they have very severe problems should be going through but it's also like therapy is very useful for every single person yeah. <laughs> Just like for, just in terms of understanding yourself as well. Yeah. Like doing that first step of being more self-aware and then kind of trying to be proactive about it and Mm. see how you can change patterns that can be unhealthy. Yeah. I'd say. And being open about like these issues as well. That's kind of like the key thing here. Yeah. Especially in relationships. Because if you're going through everything by yourself, although you would think that you can survive with going through everything yourself, it's not helpful in that relationship because although you would be able to solve all the problems by yourself, it's not like it's it gets very hard in the end. Like it's like it's going to burn you out at some point if you just try and solve everything yourself. So you can share this whole thing yeah. with your partner or your friends as well and they can try and help with this thing and it's not going to be as hard to deal with anymore 
Yeah, just having open conversations with others and yourself and CBT. <laughs> CBT. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Go to therapy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but you guys. can do CBT by yourself as well. Just like analyze the course of your behavior. True. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tua, for representing uh, Psychology Society. This has been really interesting. Mm-hmm. Definitely going to be doing a lot of thinking tonight. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, this is the only thing that I'm going to be thinking about for the rest of the yeah. day. <laughs> but I hope you guys uh, took something from that and you found it interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's any more topics within psychology you'd like us to discuss, very open to more collaborations. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for listening. See you soon, or listen to hear you soon. You know <laughs> <laughs> um, listen, you listening to us soon. Oh. Yeah, hopefully. Well. <laughs> and also, just a note, if you guys want to know where I've gotten this research from, you can just, like, text me in the Instagram or something. Yeah, like, I'm open for people contacting me. <laughs> what is the Psychology Society Instagram? So it's KCL Psych Suck. Okay, cool. Yeah, so... Or you can just like go, yeah, but you can find my Instagram there as well. So, <laughs> little self plug. Okay, yeah. guys, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>